Happy Palm Sunday, church. I'm just so glad that you're worshiping with us today and then next weekend on Easter. We're going to do a two-part series called Jesus Is. And, and the goal of this series is for all of us to embrace and all of us just to celebrate the wonderful truth that with Jesus Christ, we have all that we need to overcome anything. He is our hope. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is our joy. He is our peace. He is our salvation. He, he is our victory. Palm Sunday celebrates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, making his way to the temple, initiating the week that would lead up to his death and his resurrection. And as he does this, he fulfills a prophecy that Zechariah made 500 years earlier. Let me read that to you. Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And those who knew the Hebrew Scriptures knew what was happening as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. They knew that he was proclaiming that he was the Messiah, that he was pronouncing that he was the risen Savior, or the, the Savior King, the, the, the one that would establish God's reign. And as Jesus makes his way to the temple on this donkey, everybody just goes crazy. Everyone is just super excited. Let me read as Mark records from chapter 11 about this event. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this is where the irony begins to creep into the story because as the crowd yells out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they are quoting from Psalms chapter 118, which is a, a messianic psalm predicting the coming of the, of the Savior, King Jesus. But also in that chapter are these words from verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And this crowd that is praising and celebrating Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday quickly has a change of heart. And just in a few days, they reject the stone that is Jesus. And he becomes the cornerstone, the foundational stone of a, of a new temple that God builds, his church. And all that Jesus goes through from Palm Sunday to Easter models for us how we are to handle the greatest fears, the greatest pain, the greatest confusion and losses that we go through in life, which is certainly where we are in our world today. We don't yet have a vaccine for the COVID-19 pandemic. People are getting sick. People are dying. We've not ever experienced anything like this before in our lifetime. Through Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, we have a model of how we are to go through the days that are before us. Let me explain. The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus occurs in three days. Friday is the day of great fear and pain and suffering. 
Saturday is the day of confusion and loss and despair. And Sunday is the day of joy and celebration and victory. I got the idea for this outline from a message I heard several years ago by Pastor Rick Warren as he talked about the death of his son. And he talked about how do you get through the days of pain and the days of confusion and loss, the Fridays and Saturdays of life, to get to the Sundays, to get to the days of joy. And it just stuck with me that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what happens in those events answers all of those questions. Now, you're going to go through the, these three days over and over and over in your life. And right now, our world is going through the Friday and the Saturday. Uh, but as that famous sermon says, Sunday is coming. And we know that this pandemic will come to an end. We know that, that, that this virus will be overcome, that these pandemics grow to a certain point, but then they begin to decline, that there is this bell curve that, that Sunday is coming. But what do we do in the midst of the Fridays and the Saturdays that we are living in right now? And again, as I said, you're going to go through all three of these days over and over in your life. So in this Palm Sunday message, we're going to look at the story of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, and see for us a model of how we go through the worst days, the hardest days of our lives. Of course, it begins with Friday, and on Friday, Jesus faced the ultimate in pain. Let me try to describe it to you. He, he dealt with the ultimate you know, physical pain as we read about what he experienced. They, 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 they beat him. They slapped him. They, they plucked his beard just to be mean to him. They, they spit upon him. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. They scourged him. This was a a whip that was like a cat of nine tails that had, had bones and rocks on the end. So whenever Jesus was whipped, that it would just tear open his back, tear open the, the back of his legs. I, I read where like six out of ten prisoners that were beaten in this way would die just from that. And then from there, without any sleep, he hadn't slept all night, without any food or any water, they'd take Jesus and they nail his hands and feet to a cross and they, they, they crucify him. One of the most torturous ways that a person can be executed. I mean, the, the physical pain that he endured was just, you know, the, the, the ultimate, the extreme. But he also experienced the ultimate of emotional pain as well on Friday. Because the crucifixion was a death of humiliation. It was a death of degradation and shame as they would parade you through the town. And for hours then people would come and they would watch you die and they would taunt you and they would belittle you and ridicule you. And Jesus felt the pain of rejection on that day. He felt the pain of betrayal. And many of you know how painful that is to be betrayed. But on top of all of that, he dealt with a level of, of pain that, that you and I will never know to his degree, and that is spiritual pain. Because on that Friday, he took upon himself the guilt 
of every evil act, every ugly sin that has ever been committed by humankind in history. Just try to imagine that. I mean, you know how bad you feel when you feel guilty about something. Try, try to imagine what it would be like to, to take upon yourself the guilt of every murder, the guilt of every rape, the guilt of every child molestation that has ever, hap ever happened, the, the Holocaust and every genocide, every evil act. Jesus took the guilt of all of that upon himself on Friday. He, he, he experienced the hell of separation from God on the cross as he calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We will never experience the, the intensity of the physical and the emotional and the spiritual pain combined that Jesus endured on that Friday. One thing you can know, we can all know about Jesus is this, he understands pain. He understands your pain, and he sympathizes with it. We read in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested, and we are being tested right now. Jesus knows the pattern, and he knows the pathway to get through the Fridays of life and to get through the Saturdays of life. So what do you do in your days of pain? You do the two things that Jesus did when he faced the worst pain of his life. First of all, you need to do this. You need to reach out to friends. That's the first thing that Jesus did. Does that surprise you? As he approaches what he knows is going to be his, his arrest and the torture and the crucifixion that is before him, he reaches out to his best friends, his, his closest friends, and he takes them with him to his favorite prayer spot, Gethsemane. Gethsemane was an, in an olive grove. You, you could call it an olive garden, but we already have a restaurant by that name, so we'll call it an olive grove. And he takes his 11 closest friends with him. Judas is no longer with them. And he says to them, I need you to be with me right now. I, I don't need you know, a big speech or your advice or things like that. But in my pain, in my fear of what I know is about to happen to me, I need your presence. I need your support. Let me read to you how Matthew records this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Even the Son of God needed friends as he faced this ultimate day of fear and, and worry that was before him. I think this is one of the hardest things about, about the COVID-19 crisis that we are dealing with is we, we can't get together in person, but we can support each other and connect with each other through phone calls, through, through texting, you know, through FaceTiming, through social media. So don't isolate. God did not create you in a way for you to be on your own during the Fridays of life. Now, something else that I think is surprising here is, is the way in which Jesus is just gut level, you know, transparent about the emotional state that he is in. He doesn't sugarcoat it at all. He, 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 you know, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. You know, I have faith. No. 
He says, my soul is overwhelmed right now. I am dealing with such sorrow and such fear about what I know is before me that it feels like I am dying, he says to his friends. I want to just ask you, during this pandemic, have you been gut level, honest with anyone about how you are feeling? Or have you just kind of kept it all in and like, I, I'm fine when you're in, you're not fine. One of the, the, the things that our, our small group did that I'm a part of, the first time we met online after this all kind of broke, I just really appreciated our leader. He's saying, we're just going to go around. I want each of you to say, how are you doing? And let's pray for each other. And a couple of the guys were like, you know, I, I thought I was dealing with this fine, but then I snapped at a coworker, or I snapped at my family, and I realized that this is affecting me a lot more than I thought it was. And we were able to pray for each other. You know, if you're not in a small group, I, I just would say I'm worried about you because I care about you as your pastor. And we need to have other believers in our life right now where we're, we're sharing with them and they're helping to carry our burden and we're helping to carry their burden because that's what the church is about. And so I would just encourage you to make the decision to be in a small group. If you're not in one, it's easy to do. Just go to our homepage, click on the small group box, and it'll give you direction. To get through the hardest days of your life, you're going to need to do the two things that Jesus did when he faced the worst pain of his life. You're going to need to reach out to your friends. Friends are essential, but friends can't be with you all the time. God can be with you all of the time. And friends can enter into your pain and support you in your pain, but they can't enter into the, the depths of the fullness of, of pain and fear that you experience in the Fridays of your life. God can. He can enter into that level of pain and, and understanding with you. And friends get tired. God never tires. In fact, in the story with Jesus in Gethsemane, his friends <laughs> go to sleep on him. But I'm not going to hold that against them. I mean, first of all, they were there. They, they showed up. They were with him. And then second, they were dealing with, you know, stress and, and, and fear and difficulty on their own. Friends have limits. God does not have limits. And so the second thing that you do when you are going through the Fridays of life, the, di the days of great fear and pain, is that you need to reach out to God. You need to reach out to God on the Fridays of your life. How do you do that? You do that through prayer. This is the second thing that we see Jesus doing as he faces the worst day of pain in his life. Let me read this to you from Mark 14. Jesus went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Abba, this is the Aramaic word, Papa, or Dad. Often this was the first word that a Middle Eastern child, a young child, would learn how to say, Dad, Papa. This is exactly what we need to say, exactly what we need to do. In our Fridays of life, we need to come to, say, to God and say, Dad, help me. Because your Heavenly Father loves you. Now, there are three things that Jesus prays here. 
in this prayer. He prays, everything is possible for you. I don't want this cup of suffering that is before me, yet I want your will to be done. That, church, is the pattern of how to pray a desperate prayer, how to pray when we are in the Fridays of life. Those are the three very things that we need to be praying as we reach out to God. First of all, you want to affirm God's power. Here's what you pray. God, I know that you can do anything. I know that you can take this pain away. You created the universe. You can do anything, and you affirm God's power. But then second, you express your desire, and you say, God, I don't want this pain. I don't want this fear. I don't want what's happening right now to be happening anymore. Is it okay to pray like this to God? Yes, it is. We see David in the Psalms praying these prayers. These are called Psalms of Lament. Jesus prays, Father, I don't like this pain that I know is before me. I want you to take this pain away from me. I know that you can do that, and I ask you to do that. He prays. And then the third thing that you need to do is offer your trust, where you say, God, I want your will to be done. And if what I'm asking you to do is not your will, then I want your will to be done because I know you care about me, God. And I know you know what is best, God. And I know that you are in control, God. And I know there's no way that you don't love me, God. So I want your will to be done here. When you feel afraid, when you feel depressed, when you feel hurt, this is what you need to pray. God, I know that you can do anything. I don't like this hurt. I don't like this pain that I am in right now. And I want your will to be done. As Jesus finishes praying this prayer, the guards come and they arrest him and they take him into six trials that he goes through that night. Three Jewish trials, three Roman trials. These are all just mock trials with phony witnesses. They were illegal as they happened at night. And then they tortured Jesus. They all kinds of torture, then they nail him to the cross. He dies, and they bury him in the tomb. And we come to the second day, the Saturdays of life. These are days of confusion. These are days of, of loss. These are days of despair. Just imagine how the disciples feel as they watch the Messiah, the Son of God, killed by the Roman soldiers, then taken down off the cross, his body buried in a tomb, and that tomb sealed. What happened? Their confusion. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and liberate Israel, and now he is dead and his body is in a tomb. Why has this happened? This is Saturday, you see. They felt regret. If we could have just stopped Judas, maybe we, we could have kept this from happening. They felt shame. We abandoned him in his hour of need. They felt fear. Are they going to come after us? We are his closest disciples. They've killed him. Are we next? When you're in the Saturdays of life, you're just unsure what to do. These are days of doubt, days of confusion, 
days of loneliness, days of grief. There are a thousand ways that you can go through the Saturdays of your life. I want to ask you a pointed question. Have you ever deserted God on a Saturday before? Have you ever maybe prayed a prayer and it didn't get answered in the way that you wanted and you walked away from God and you walked away from his church? Or maybe there was a circumstance that you felt needed to go a certain direction and there was just... It was a massive disappointment what it ended up happening and you, it just caused you to lose your faith. I went through a Saturday several years ago that just left me so confused. It was a time of great fear and, and pain. After a surgery that I had, I went through some unexpected post-operative pain that just lasted for several weeks. Now, I didn't question God's existence during that experience or even his love for me but I definitely questioned his wisdom why why is this happening and I I don't think I've ever been more confused what do you do to get through days of confusion the Saturdays of your life here's what you do you hold on to the promises of God in the Saturdays of your life, in the days of confusion, you hold, you, you've got to remember the promises that God has made to you. Don't ever doubt when you are in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. And Jesus, the, the night before he is arrested and tortured and executed, he gives his disciples this huge promise that they can just grab a hold of and hold tightly onto in the Saturday that he knew was before them. Let me read that promise to you. This is from John 16. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, you see, when, when he is killed when he is crucified but your grief will turn to joy a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come but when her baby is born she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into this world so with you now is your time of grief you see Friday is coming but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy and Jesus is like I promise you you're going to see me again. And when you see me as the resurrected Savior, you're going to be filled with joy. You're going to be fearless because you know that you, you're going to know that, that you can handle anything. This is just a part of the plan Jesus promises them. In this COVID-19 pandemic, you need to become a person, of, 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 uh, of, a promised person. A person who, who understands and grabs a hold of the promises of God, that you claim those promises. God has made hundreds of promises to us in his word, in Jesus Christ. The way you get through the Saturdays, the days of confusion and doubt, is you hang on to the promises that God has made to you. Well, what has he revealed to us in the light? What are those promises? I mean, there, there are so many. He promises us, first of all, that he sees everything that we go through and that he cares about everything that we go through. He promises that he will comfort us. He promises that he will lift us up and provide us with the encouragement and the strength that we need. 
He promises us that He will answer our prayers, that He hears our prayers, and that He will answer them according to His wisdom, that He will answer them in, according to what, what is, is best, and He knows what is best. He promises us that nothing could ever separate us from His love in Jesus Christ. He promises us He will never stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that can make God stop loving you. He promises that He will turn that which is bad in our life around and bring it together in a way that results in good as we bring Him to pieces, as we seek Him. That God specializes in taking crucifixions, it's over, and transforming them into resurrections. No, it's not. There's new life. Jesus put it this way in John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. To get to Sunday, you need a Savior. The only way you're going to get there from the days of, of pain and fear, the Fridays of life, through the Saturdays of confusion and despair, to the, to the days of joy and victory and celebration, the Sundays of life is that you need a Savior. Because you can't resurrect yourself. And so the women on Sunday morning, a group of them, go to the tomb of Jesus. They go there to grieve. The scripture says it's, it's very early. The sun is just rising at that point. But the sun has already risen. And when the disciples see him later, they, they are like, okay, game changer. We're not afraid anymore. Because, you know, if, if you kill us, we're just coming back to life. <laughs> because you've shown us, Jesus, you have the power to overcome the grave. And these 11 guys, they start spreading this good news around the Roman Empire that there is transforming power. There is saving power in the name of Jesus. And these guys, along with a few others, begin to share that good news. And in 300 years then, this faith is the faith of the Roman Empire and Caesar has become a Christian. Why? Because they were, they were fearless. They were courageous. They had seen the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And their joy became contagious. How do you get to the Sundays? How do you get to those days of joy? Here's how we do it. You've got to rely on the power of Jesus. That's what all of us need to be doing right now. To be relying on on the power of Jesus Christ because you can't get there on your own. If you could do it on your own, then Jesus would not have come down from heaven to die on the cross for your sins. Believe me, if there was another way that you could have eternal life, if there was another way that you could be reconciled to God, don't you think God would have chosen that simpler way? than letting his son go through the excruciating death that I shared about earlier. There, there simply is no other way. Please listen closely. I want to summarize what I'm saying to you in this message. When you go through the worst days, the most difficult days of your life, you need to do three things. You need to reach out to the presence of Jesus Christ. You need to grab a hold of tightly to the promises for us that are found in Jesus, and you need to rely in faith 
on the power of Jesus in your life. Nick read earlier from Ephesians a prayer. I want to share a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1 with you. This is my prayer for you on this Palm Sunday. Chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. That's my prayer, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power that is available to you and me in Jesus Christ. This same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Friends, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me in this pandemic right now. If God can raise a dead body, He can raise a dead marriage. If God can raise a dead body, He can raise a dead career. If God can raise a dead body, He can raise a dead and defeated outlook on life and give you a, a whole new outlook. He can do anything. It's a whole new ball game when you rely on the power of Jesus Christ in your life. This is why Paul says these last verses I want to share with you. From Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, not know about him. I want to know him personally. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So Paul says, listen, if it means having to go through tough times, if it means having to go through suffering, if it means having to go through Fridays and Saturdays to know you, Jesus Christ, then so be it. If that's what it takes, then so be it, because I want to know you, Jesus, and I want to know the power of the resurrection in my life, because that's what matters most. May the Friday and Saturday of COVID-19 lead all of us to know Jesus Christ better, to know the power of his resurrection in our lives. May that be the story of God, how God takes this evil, how God takes this bad thing and turns it around for good and for his glory. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, there's a response form that you will find on our Church at Home page, and I invite you to fill that out. Let's pray together. God, we need your power. We need to understand and embrace the promises that you make to us in Jesus Christ in these days. We rejoice in knowing that you have not abandoned us, that you love us, you see what we're going through, that you care about us, that you got promise to comfort us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to guide us. God, we know that you are continuing the good work in our lives, that you have good things that you want to do in this world right now. And we welcome those, God. We bring to you a prayer of lament. We mourn with those who are mourning in our world right now. We grieve with those who have lost loved ones. We don't like what is happening right now, God. We pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray, God, for your will to be done. We pray, God, that you would draw people to yourself that you would bring people to come to know 
the good news of Jesus Christ, that you have provided victory over sin, victory over the grave for all who will receive the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, into their lives. We thank you, God, that we are more than conquerors in all things through Christ who has loved us, that in Jesus we are able to overcome everything. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to remember what we learn as we look at the Friday and the Saturday and the Sunday 